right, hey, NFL football fans, uh, welcome. It's that time again. It's time for another edition of NFL Football Talk. This is an Inside Sports production. I'm your host, Charles E. Smith, Jr. And, hey, two weeks of NFL football are in the books, so we're going to go ahead and break everything down, all the surprises from week two, uh, big matchups ahead in week three, also fantasy football tips, and a little something for you uh, folks who might be putting down a little bit of money there in uh, in Vegas. So also, uh, remember, in a NBA basketball fans, we've also got something for you uh, up there. Check out uh, officialinsidesports.com. All the links are there. Um, you can also follow us on or find us on iTunes. But Anthony Barbarin and Gerald Glassford have got some new NBA material up. So you'll be one of, you sure want to check that out. But let's go ahead and get right into this. Right now, it's about NFL football. So as you know, I do not work alone here. I do enlist the help of only the very, very best. So here he is, the man many of you already follow on Twitter at Chris L Sports. And if not, you should be. But from an undisclosed location somewhere in beautiful Southern California, here's the man, the pride of Rutgers University, my favorite East Coast intellectual, Chris Lardieri. Chris, what's happening out there, man? Charles, intellectual, thank you. And I didn't even go to an Ivy League, although technically Rutgers was once upon a time many, many years ago, but I was not one of those Ivy Leaguers. But thank you. I can't believe we're already looking week three in the eyes. Um, you know, a lot of different storylines going on this year. Instead of uh, focusing on injuries, I think you look at offensive lines being one of the themes going on in the NFL. And you know, the Giants again last night, Eric Flowers was a train wreck. You know it's bad when John Gruden says bad things about you. That guy loves everyone. He's already interviewing for his next job. That's a given. Um, you look at even the Seahawks barely squeaking out a win against the 49ers. And you know, I was thinking about this a little bit, as I do from time to time in this uh, pea brain of mine. And you look at the Giants. You look at the Seahawks. They got a lot of money tied up on the defensive side of the ball and in the quarterback position, like a lot of teams do. But what happens when you do that is you have to draft offensive linemen. Not a lot of free agents out there. And when there are, like uh, Whitworth with the Rams, they command top dollar, even though he's, what, pushing 35 years old, I believe. So uh, you miss on the draft, especially with a left tackle. That could hamstring your quarterback and your backfield and your offensive output for years to come. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, when I look at that Monday night game, though, we're not going to spend the whole show on the Giants, but, hey, it is a thing. Because Eli Manning, I guess, is one of the quarterbacks under fire, along with, you know, Andy Dalton and the other redhead in uh, in Arizona. I guess they have some – they may be on short leashes or uh, their coaches are saying various things. We don't know. But with uh, Eli, there was one thing that uh, announcer Sean McDonough said which John Gruden couldn't even jump on it. He just kind of left him hanging out there to dry and change the subject. But when Sean McDonough referred to Eli Manning as a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Now, I always said that after Eli won those first two, I thought he would get in because he'd get that third ring. But if Eli Manning does not have another good uh, playoff run of some sort, I think it's a stretch to call him a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Well, here's the thing. If Kurt Warner is going to get in off of one ring, and let's face it, a, a shorter body of work, yeah, he had some great seasons with the Rams, but, um, you know, Terrell Davis even at the running back position. Honestly, uh, they're great players. Are they Hall of Famers? I don't know. Honestly, the whole debate bores me to tears. But when you're sitting barometer <laughs> at that, and Eli's got two rings, and there are a lot of quarterbacks at multiple rings that they like putting in the Hall of Fame, I mean, it's hard to say. 
Now, for the record, Gruden did not want to comment on that because he's eyeing that Giants job a year or two down the road. Not a lot of people told you that. All righty. By the way, I got Jim Plunkett online, too. He would like to say something about quarterbacks with two rings and whether or not they should be in the Hall of Fame. I have a feeling he thinks they should. Yeah, he should. And there, look, there's a, there's a valid debate for that, too. I mean, the guy took a beating with some atrocious Patriots teams. Uh, hey, you millennials out there, once upon a time, the Patriots were bad in the 70s and 80s, believe it or not. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you look at him late in his career, he was rejuvenated going back to, to Oakland and then the L.A. Raiders. Yep, there we go. So we shall see how that turns out. But then you got Ben McAdoo, of course, uh, kind of throwing Eli under the bus afterwards. So uh, we'll see. But it just seems like they're kind of in shambles there uh, as far as New York. Now they got Philadelphia coming up this week. So a team that, you know, I think we both kind of we picked to uh, win that division. Who knows? They could turn it around. But, man, it's, uh, it's looking bad there in New York. Yeah, I like how McAdoo takes a page from the uh... – the ginger Jason Garrett playbook in Dallas and blames your quarterback when you have another tough loss. Look, I've been saying for years, I know listeners and viewers here are tired of it. Jerry Reese puts the talent on the field and you know, look at Brandon Marshall. They spent a decent amount of money on him to replace Victor Cruz. Is he MIA? I, I don't know what happened to him. So, I mean, their, their offensive line has been a recurring problem the past few years for the Giants, even though they made the playoffs last year, it wasn't addressed. So you look at a team like the Cowboys, once Jerry Jones stopped making draft picks and they passed on Johnny Manziel and built up that offensive line, they became a force to be reckoned with offensively. Yeah, but then you got the Oakland Raiders also spend a lot of money on the offensive line as well. So, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Now, uh, Brandon Marshall, you mentioned, I think that the telltale sign with Brandon Marshall is he's made the Pro Bowl with four different teams. So he's good enough to play football and good enough to put up good numbers, but no team seems to want to hang on to him. I think that's really the story, and that tell, that really tells you that's Brandon Marshall, uh, a uh, microcosm of his whole NFL career. Good enough to be on a team, but good enough to commit to long-term? No way. No, he's got a short shelf life, to say the least. To make a TV reference, he reminds me of the character Ricky Jarrett on Ballers. Great player, but after a couple <laughs> years, rubs people the wrong way, and he's on to the next gig. I love that series, by the way. So, right. hey, let's go on now. Quarterbacks, you know, we've got the two Deshauns. Of course, Deshaun Watson got the big victory for Houston last week. Uh, introduced himself in the to the NFL by uh, making a big 48-yard TD run in that big win over Cincy, 13-9. Uh, kind of a snooze fest, but that was, a, that was kind of a highlight. Then you got Deshaun Kaiser over there in Cleveland, who was the 27th starting quarterback since that franchise resurrected itself in 1999. So, uh, yeah, a tale of two Deshaun's. Okay, and then we'll go on here. Now, Carolina barely squeaking out a win against, the, uh, against Buffalo this past week. Uh, Buffalo, in typical fashion, they could have won the game late. They didn't do it. Uh, they lost the game, what was it, 9-3, to uh, fingertip pass, which could have won the game, and they don't make it. But that's just a story of Buffalo. That's the way the Bills' fortunes go. But Carolina now going to have to be without uh, tight end Greg Olson, who I believe broke a bone in his foot. And that's, so he's going to be out for probably uh, six to eight weeks or so. So that does not bode well for them. And Cam Newton, who is – uh, coming off the shoulder surgery, and really the kind of uh, wanting to work him into the lineup as they can. 
So it looks like we're having some technical difficulties here. Be just a moment and we'll get that uh, straightened up and we will continue here in, uh, in just a sec. Let me work this out and I'm going to get Mr. Lardieri back on here because I know not everybody tuned in just to hear me or see me represent my Dolphins who got their first win of the Jay Cutler era there in, uh, in L.A. this weekend. So let me get Chris back on here and then we'll go ahead and continue uh, this episode of NFL Football Talk. And by the way, if you want to see some good highlights, Remember, follow at The Inside Sports, and not only do we post links to all the shows and all the podcasts and uh, some really uh, little nuggets of wisdom there, but also some of the better NFL highlights, they're on there every single week and highlights from other sports as well. So at The Inside Sports, uh, you can follow that on Twitter. You'll get some good highlights. You can watch and enjoy them over and over. Get yourself a bucket of popcorn and just keep on clicking, keep on clicking. And it's Nirvana about 10 to 15 seconds at a time, people. Okay, let's see what we got here. Okay. And I believe Chris is back now. Chris, are you back now? Yeah, I don't know what happened. You you froze, but I was still there. It was weird. Hey, man, I never freeze under pressure. Never. I did not freeze. Your likeness froze. Okay, so are you good? Are, we, are you back with us? Yeah, I don't know what happened. Okay, all right. Um, I just said some really uh, complimentary things about you while you were gone, and we were trying to get you back on the air, so don't worry about it, man. It's okay. All- My ears are ringing. <laughs> Okay, so I left off with the tale of the two Deshauns, uh, Deshaun Watson, there okay. in Houston, getting that big, the big victory, uh, thirteen to nine over Cincy last week, which has yeah. plunged the Bengals to zero and two and into turmoil. And then Deshaun Kaiser, the twenty seventh starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns since they resurrected their franchise there in nineteen ninety nine. So, looks like uh, teams headed in opposite directions, and who can forget JJ uh, Watt with all the money that he raised? We got to give him props. I think, what was it, $37 million for hurricane relief? Fantastic job, Mr. White. Yeah, an astounding number. And uh, look, with Deshaun Watson, I mean, he had a phenomenal run, which essentially was the only touchdown of the game. But mm-hmm. uh, look, if the guy manages the game, I, I know he's a rookie and he's learning as he goes, but if he manages it and doesn't turn it over and eats up the clock like he did late in the game looking for uh, DeAndre Hopkins numerous right. times, um, you know, the, the – Texans are going to be in the thick of things because, like we've said over here, nothing can be worse than Brian Hoyer and Brock Osweiler, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, hey, what about the old man Tom Brady, over 40 years old and, uh, you know, throws for 447 yards against the Saints? Now, is that does that show more about Brady's arm at this age or the pitiful state of the Saints' defense? I think it's uh, – Primarily the latter, but I will have to give, you know, it pains me to say this, but I'll have to give Brady credit where credit's due. He's got walking wounded wide receivers and Gronk, of course, hurt again and spreading the ball around. I mean, he's not going to beat you deep. He's not going to beat you with a rifle of an arm, but he is going to beat you with quick, accurate passes and and being smart. And uh, look, with Bill Belichick at the helm and much maligned once upon a time, Josh McDaniels has resurrected his career as the OC in New England. So, um, yeah, the, the guy really, it's amazing that he just chugs on. He's got a book out this week. I'm sure he'll tell you to eat avocado ice cream and things like that. So uh, enjoy. Had avocado ice cream once. I did kind of like it. So 
Hey, you know, before we get into it, so everyone knows, uh, you know, follow at The Inside Sports or follow Chris on Twitter at Chris L Sports. But uh, we have our pick segment coming up, and then we do our Gambler's Delight uh, picks of the week and also some fantasy football advice for everybody. Before we break into those segments, uh, Mr. Lardieri, you always have some fantastic nuggets of wisdom for us. Well, Charles, you know, we're here in Southern California, L.A., and uh, this past Sunday there were two NFL games in the city since 1994. We had the Rams at the Coliseum against the Redskins and the Chargers hosting your Miami Dolphins at a soccer stadium known as StubHub Center. Uh, between these, these two teams, when you add the crowds up, it was less than what showed up at the Coliseum Saturday night to see the USC Trojans play the Texas Longhorns in a primetime college football game. Uh, there are a number of things at play here. Look, LA's always been a college football town as far as I can see, living right. here 20 plus years. And the fact that um, look, the Chargers are not an L.A. team. The Rams were. They do have an entrenched fan base, but a lot of people are going to make a big deal about it. But let's face it, Charles, are you going to spend good money to go to a 27,000-seat stadium? Are you going to go to the Coliseum, which here in warm September has no shade, and pay a lot of money to see mediocre football? You're not. And bigger picture, when the new stadium does open, you've got to fork out a PSL and hundreds of dollars. I mean, the Chargers right now have a $100 tailgating parking spot in their lot at StubHub Center. And honestly, with the, the rise of HDTV and Red Zone and NFL Sunday ticket, people rather stay home. So I think part of it is is the sports culture here in L.A., but a lot of it is economics. And Roger Goodell doesn't want to admit it. He just wants a team in L.A. so he can come out here and go to Super Bowls, et cetera, apparently. Yeah, that's true. And, and Manhattan Beach is close by and everything. And, well, I think one thing for uh, for football games, if they just – one, it's – one thing to pay for the, for the uh, tickets, but the other things they try to really just rake you over the coals for, I mean, 50 or or $100 to park, and then concessions where you're paying you know, $10 for a hot dog, which I give Arthur Blank credit. Arthur Blank, who opened the new stadium there in, in uh, Atlanta, the Mercedes-Benz Arena, hot dogs are $2. And not only that, but he's lowered those prices and made sure that any events that take place in that stadium – those prices stay the same across the board. So I'm going to go and watch an Atlanta Falcons home game if I think I can. Can I go there uh, and eat enough hot dogs and drink enough soda to cover the price of my plane ticket? I think I may do it. Yeah, definitely. And, and look, we're singling out the NFL here, but baseball and basketball and hockey are no better. They all have these same issues, although I do think – the PSL is legalized extortion, and the NFL's got the market cornered on that. But I completely agree with you. Good for Arthur Blank. The guy's a billionaire, started Home Depot, and what he talked about is how when his kids were younger, I'm guessing probably back in the 70s and 80s, how expensive it was back then. He's, he had multiple kids just to take them to a game and feed them. And you know, I think also, too, another twist, he's got the only Chick-fil-A that's open on a Sunday. little trivia question there for you. Uh, if Chick-fil-A wasn't so horrible, I would be I would be really happy. Oh, I love Chick-fil-A. Oh. <laughs> Yet another thing we disagree on. All right, let's let's get into it here. So the picks of the week, what we do is we take the uh, five of the more intriguing matchups and uh, we give our advice on those. We will give you the point spreads, although we are picking just winners here. We're not picking against the spread. So last week, uh, I did go a perfect five for five. Uh, Chris Lardieri went four for five because uh, he didn't count on Ezekiel Elliott uh, really getting short-winded up there in mile-high air in Denver. But uh, overall for the season, I'm looking at eight and two. Uh, Chris is seven and three. We're doing pretty well, folks. 
So without any further ado, here is Mr. Lardieri to break down the first of those two games for us. Sure. The first is an NFC South battle, the 0-2 Norwegian Saints going into Charlotte to play the Carolina Panthers. They're getting five and a half points. Uh, you can poo-poo this all you want, but the Panthers and Saints always seem to have good games that are close. Even when the uh, the Panthers are on their Super Bowl run, I remember some some great matchups with uh, Newton and Breeze. Um, the Panthers really struggling now. The offense can't get going. Is it Cam Shoulder? Is it that Christian McCaffrey can't get the engine revving? On top of that, Greg Olson will be out, I believe, it's six weeks with a broken foot. Right. That's really going to harm the 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 Panthers' offense. Uh, defensive side of the ball, they're playing great, so you got to give them that. Luke Keekley's been healthy. The secondary's been retooled. On the other side, same old Saints. They can put points up. Breeze is still going to throw. Adrian Peterson and Mark Ingram are still going to look old and ineffective. Uh, Alvin Kamara, one of my fantasy football tips last week, watch out for him. I predict, yeah, probably in the second half of the year, he might be starting outright. Again, the issue with the Saints is the defense. I don't know if this will be a shootout or if it will be a defensive struggle. Either way, I'm going to go with the Panthers at home just because I do not trust that Saints defense. Well, I'll tell you, this is right. This is going to be kind of uh, – this could turn into an ugly contest. One thing, uh, if they were in the fast track there in New Orleans, uh, definitely I would say it's going to be a shootout, but I don't think it will be necessarily there in Carolina. So I, I just can't see the say The Saints, they have to win this game. They have to. And we look at Carolina almost choked against Buffalo last week. So – now, granted, Buffalo does have better defense than uh, them does New Orleans. Well, Long Beach State has better defense than New Orleans, but you know that's a whole other a whole other side of the story. I'm going to go ahead with the Saints. I don't see them falling into an 0 and 3 hole here. Um, they just this is a game that they need to have, and I think they're going to dig deep. And maybe it's pounding the ball finally, uh, trusting Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson to just march the ball down the field for them and win an ugly game as opposed to going to. I remember Jimmy Johnson when he coached the Dolphins. I know it was horrible when he coached the Dolphins, but he talked about Dan Marino's arm, and he said, I have to avoid wanting to go to the candy store all the time. So I think what they're going to do is uh, a control game by New Orleans, uh, take the intermediate stuff, take what the defense gives you, and I like New Orleans to go ahead and pull out this game. Yeah, I know you like your New Orleans prediction, so you preseason, so at least you're consistent, and you're going to ride that train right into the river. Oh, you better believe it. So, hey, the next game here is going to be the first really stiff test for the Detroit Lions. The uh, defending NFC Conference champion Atlanta Falcons are going to be in Detroit. Uh, it's a great matchup here. Now, linebacker Vic Beasley for the for the uh, Atlanta Falcons, he's going to be out of the lineup. I, I think he's got a foot injury also, if I'm not mistaken. But he is going to be out. I think he's going to be out about a month and definitely out for this game. So that could open up the uh, intermediate stuff a little bit for Matt Stafford, who is looks like he's justifying making that $30 million a year he's making as a quarterback. But this is the first really stiff test. This should be a good indoor track meet here. So uh, this is going to be a tough one here. I think, you know what, I got to go – I'm going to say Atlanta's, Atlanta – they're, they're, they're a three-point favorite, but I'm going with Detroit. I'm going to go ahead and ride the Lions here. Now, I know Detroit, they've only won one playoff game in the last 60 years, but I think they're finally for real, sort of, right now. So I'm going to go with, a, with a Detroit. I, I keep trying to say Atlanta, so maybe my subconscious <laughs> means I should go with Atlanta, but I'm going with Detroit here to uh, stay hot, and uh, they're going to take down the reigning NFC Conference champions. Now, what do you think, Chris? 
You should listen to your subconscious. So look, I've been on the Lions bandwagon two weeks now. I'm going to get off temporarily. Well, I like what Stafford's doing. Look, they beat up on, on two, let's face it, pretty poor teams in the Cardinals and the Giants. Uh, if Eric Flowers is my least favorite left tackle, I'm guessing Greg Robinson, who for whatever reason the Lions wanted from the Rams as, as scrap metal or whatever, he's not much better. I really like the way Atlanta's playing on offense. That's a given. What I think differentiates them is their defense has really come to this year. You look at what they did to the Packers last week. I know week one against the Bears, they kind of let them back into it. But I, I really like the way they're playing. Beasley will be a loss. But I do think the Lions are one-dimensional. The Falcons can stop the pass. They've got a pass rush. They're going into a dome stadium. And even if it does turn into the shootout, I like Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, Devontae Freeman. Falcons win this one. Uh, they keep their streak going and head to 3-0. and Okay, we shall see. But remember, Green Bay was missing both of their starting uh, offensive tackles last week when they lost to Atlanta. But uh, I'm sure you knew that. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, um, they're still better than Greg Robinson, whoever their backups are. Their names escape me, of course. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's be friendly here. Mr. Laviette, <laughs> go ahead and break down the next game for us. Yes, uh, speaking of the team that uh, referees in consecutive weeks have referred to as the San Diego Chargers, I can't blame them. I do it from time to time, too. The L.A. Chargers, that's 27,000-seat uh, uh, StubHub Center, AFC West battle against the 2-0 Kansas City Chiefs, coming in off another big win against the Philadelphia Eagles last week. My favorite fantasy football player, Kareem Hunt, two more touchdowns. Alex Smith looking effective. Travis Kelsey scoring a touchdown. Um, uh, poor Mr. Koo for the Chargers missed consecutive gate potential uh, games. I could have tied or won the game for the Bolts. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like he might be the new Roberto Aguayo. I feel bad for him. Well, I'd like him to kick a game winner this week. I don't think it's going to happen. Chiefs really clicking on offense. Uh, I think, too, on defense, they'll be able to shut down the Chargers. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Melvin Gordon. He really couldn't get it going last week against the Dolphins. That happens again. That's a recipe for a loss. You've got to at least run the ball. Phillip Rivers can't do it all. I picked the Chiefs to win this one, go to 3-0, and and I think what we're looking at here is the best division in football. Broncos and Raiders are also undefeated. I'm looking forward right. to the team squaring off. Yep, there we go. Okay, so you know what? I'm going to go ahead and go with the Chiefs also uh, for all the reasons you said. And it, it looks like with Alex Smith and the whole thing of uh, Alex Smith last year in KC, it looks like uh, the NFL or the Kansas City Chiefs or maybe all of us have finally awakened a sleeping giant. And Alex Smith is really playing his butt off this year. So I'm going to go ahead with Kansas City. And they are a three-point favorite, uh, not picking against the spread, but just to let you know there, three-point favorite. But, uh, yeah, I'm going with Kansas City, so going with the favorite in this one. Now it's about time we agree, Charles. I know there's been a lot of disagreement. It's been a little tense, KFC versus Chick-fil-A football games. I mean um, – you know, yeah. we really, it's, it's good that we can all come together. That's what this country needs, agreement, right, Charles? Yeah, that's true. We're going to have to hug it out after this, uh, after this segment here. And also, you know, I think it's funny that as soon as the whole as football season started, you notice you haven't really heard anything about Donald Trump lately? It's like it all just disappeared. We won't hear any more about Donald Trump probably until March. Um, at least not for NFL ratings because we have hurricanes to blame and poor play and Emmys and I don't know what else, but uh, streaming – millennials global warming earthquakes you know we could blame the earthquakes this week we've had we've had two in the last 24 hours yeah, that's true all right so uh, let's go ahead and get to the next game here uh the seattle seahawks who are a three-point underdog they're going to be in tennessee to uh play the titans 
Now, Seattle, they, they've had a rough go of it, and we always expect them to kind of turn the corner and right the ship and, and get things going. But it, it, it looks like maybe Seattle has finally lost enough pieces where that defense, they can't really hold it together and win games for them. The offense is sputtering all year long. So uh, Seattle and Tennessee, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, I like Marcus Mariota and the Tennessee Titans at home to win this game, uh, plunge Seattle to one and two. And that's going to be, uh, you know, the question marks will start up there in Seattle, not necessarily about the quarterback, but just about the quality of that team overall. And they're finally going to have to address the offensive woes that they're having in Seattle. So I'm going ahead with Tennessee here. I'm going to agree with you. Mariota's kind of been sputtering this year. He hasn't really gotten it into gear yet. Um, while I don't know if he'll do it this week against the Seahawks, what I do know is the two-headed monster of DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry running the ball was very effective last week against a, a stout Jacksonville front seven. And while the Seahawks have a, a, a great defense, you keep that team on the field and you control the clock. I don't care who they are, the 85 Bears, they're, they're going to get hot and tired and wear down at some point. And yeah. really, Seattle's almost as ineffective as the New York Giants on offense. I uh, like the way the uh, the Titans' defense has been playing. So I'm going to agree with you on that. might be a close, ugly game. But uh, going back to a thesis a couple weeks ago that blew up with the Raiders, I don't like the Seahawks traveling east for uh, what turns out to be a 10 a.m. Pacific game on their mental clock. So Titans, I will agree with you. All right, perfect. And then, uh, Chris, want to go ahead and break down the third and final game for us. Yeah, so my uh, beloved and aforementioned New York Giants head into Philadelphia and NFC East showdown with the suddenly offensively resurgent Eagles. Um, I don't see the line on this game. I'll have to check. Honestly, I don't know. I don't care. I'm a Giants fan. I'm still picking the Eagles. I really like the way that, that Wentz has, has really played. I mean, last week, tipped interception turns that game around. They're really hanging with the Chiefs. Uh, they're able to run the ball a little more effectively this year. And I think uh, Jim Schwartz's defense has improved on that side of the ball. And, um, you know, I really don't see any room for optimism. The Eagles always seem to play the Giants tough, even when they're down. And um, as much as I'll have to uh, get rid of this nasty taste in my mouth, I will pick the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead with it. And by the way, the line on that game is uh, the uh, Giants are a six-point underdog last check. So I do like the way that Carson Wentz is coming along, though. And you know, forget the wins and losses thing. I look at his development as a quarterback, and I think the Eagles have – he's going to turn out to be, and I know it's very early in his career, but he is going to turn out to be the best Eagles quarterback. I don't want to say maybe not in history because I don't know who they had in quarterback, uh, you know, back in 19 – before uh, Ron Jaworski, really. But I think he's going to be their best quarterback uh, that they've had in recent memory. Uh, definitely he'll, you know, he will surpass Donovan McNabb. So I like the Eagles. I like the way they're playing. I like Carson Wentz's calm under pressure. And uh, the Giants are going to go to 0-3. And, and, oh, my goodness, all the tabloids in New York are just going to – the Giants are going to be cannon fodder next week. What can I say? Yeah. I think the Eagles quarterback that I can remember being good was Norm Van Brocklin, wasn't it? Not that I know, but I remember reading about him. But anyway, he's no uh, – he'll be better than Randall Cunningham. How about that? But uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I mean, the, the New York tabloids already smell blood in the water. Can you imagine? And the team that's got to be the happiest about this is the Jets. I mean, they've all but admitted they're tanking. But and the focus on all the negativity and the vitriol on the Giants, uh, Todd Bowles and Mike McCagnan probably be pretty cheerful right now. Yep, there we go. Okay, so 
Just to recap, uh, New Orleans and Carolina, we split on that one. I'm going with New Orleans. Uh, Chris goes with Carolina. Atlanta at Detroit, we split on that one. Uh, Chris is going with Atlanta. I'm taking Detroit to stay hot. KC at San Diego, we both go with KC. Uh, Seattle at Tennessee, we're both going with Tennessee. And then the New York Giants at Philadelphia, and we are both going with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. And before we get into Gambler's Delight, I do have to congratulate my uh, Miami Dolphins coming out here and winning this week. Uh, in, in, excuse me, almost at San Diego in Los Angeles at StubHub <laughs> Center. But you know, one of my one of my good friends who's a Dolphins fan, he said he's gonna he's uh, planning on getting another pet for the household, a new dog. And he said if Cutler takes him to the Super Bowl, he's gonna name the dog Cutler. I told him to kind of pump his brakes because you know I bet if you go to the Baltimore area, you don't see a whole lot of dogs named Dilfer. You know, so <laughs> that's the way that goes. So, Chris, uh, before we get into the Gambler's Delight segment, uh, you got any uh, final words for us here? Yeah, sure. So, something interesting happened this week. kind of went below the radar. I even missed it on the first pass. But uh, apparently there's some sort of uh, subcommittee or board of NFL owners that has to approve Roger Goodell's compensation. And one Jerry Jones made a passing remark, which uh, I guess is alleged, has been refuted in some circles but not others, that uh, Roger Goodell is essentially overpaid. And I find this highly amusing because, uh, look, <laughs> Roger, Roger's kowtowed to Jerry at every turn, especially with the L.A. Stadium deal. Let's face it, Jerry did his best, uh, best Sopranos, uh, Tony Soprano move, and lining up all the others, uh, other owners behind him in a power move. But um, he's got a point. I mean, we've been talking about how Roger makes allegedly 45-plus million a year. But uh, mm -hmm. is this a case of – Biting the hand that feeds you or feeding the hand that bites you? I really can't tell, but something to keep an eye on because if, uh, if Jerry and uh, and Roger's number one non-ally, Bob Kraft, ever align, watch out. I mean, those two could really the, – the winds of change can come sweeping in. Goodell's days could be numbered, but let's face it. The guy does one thing. He makes money for the league and the owners. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, I don't want to say it's pennies on the dollar, but it's a small fraction of what he's bringing in for the league. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I know $40 million seems like a staggering number. Remember, Judge Judy makes $40 million a year, too. So let's go ahead and get into the Gambler's Delight segment here. Now, what this is is we don't promote gambling on the show, but if you happen to be in Vegas, got $20 burning a hole in your pocket, it's football season, you're near the sports book, you got to place a bet, uh, here's a little advice for you. So on the season, we do pick one uh, one. Gambler's Delight special each every week. I'm one and one. I went with uh, the Houston-Cincinnati game last week. I said it would be under 38, and of course it was 13 to nine, well under 38. And then Mr. Lardieri said to go ahead and take the Miami Dolphins and the points against San Diego. Of course, the Dolphins won outright. So, Chris, Gambler's Delight special this week. Uh, what do you got? My theme is to pick underdogs. This is kind of an unusual week. It's not a lot of dog a week, and not a lot of dogs to like. One game I have my eye on, unfortunately, there's no line right here as we take this show, is the Buccaneers and the Vikings. Sam Bradford with his surprise knee injury. Not sure if he's going to play, so I'll pass on that one. Um, I'm going to kind of think I'm crazy on this. Uh, Houston Texans are going into New England. They're getting 13 points. Mm. As far as I'm concerned, that's a lot of points. I know the Patriots are defending champs, but they are completely banged up offensively. I think at one point last week during the Saints game, and they have like three wide receiver options uh, during the third quarter, I think it was. Uh, they're kind of lining running backs out there wide to throw to. Um, I don't necessarily think the, the Patriots will lose this game. What I closer 
Uh, if Steven Goskowski missed an extra point like he likes to do lately, and the Patriots uh, go up by a couple of scores, at the very least, look, we've got to push at 13 points. What I do think is the Texans coming off a uh, extended rest off that Thursday night game. Uh, last year in the playoffs, they defended Brady well. I think they're the only team that really did. And Brock Osweiler threw that game away. If Watson can kind of manage the game, maybe even scramble a little. I think, um, as I mentioned earlier, Hopkins really looks like he's revitalized with Watson. Mm -hmm. They can run the ball. Who knows? Maybe they lose by 10. Maybe they lose by a touchdown. But I do like the way that defense matches up. So my gambler's delight pick. Take the Texans, getting 13 points. Heck of a lot of points to get, regardless, in the NFL. But this is a team that went to the playoffs last year in Houston. So uh, let's see if I can keep the streak alive and go 3-0. and Okay, there you go. So, you know, I was thinking about that game. I looked at that fat spread, and I was like, yeah, maybe I would look at taking Houston in those points too. But, you know, my uh, my pick here, I'm going with the Denver Broncos, who are – they're rolling through. I think Trevor Simeon is getting uh, – you know, gaining more and more confidence every single week. So they're in Buffalo this week, and they're giving three points. So they're just a three-point favorite. I think they're going to roll over Buffalo when they go in there. And Buffalo, I think they're going to be heartbroken from last week's almost just close coulda, woulda, shoulda loss to Carolina. And with Buffalo, it's going to have an opposite effect because of where the team is right now. Uh, When you have those heartbreaking losses, it all depends on the psyche of the team at the moment. If they say, okay, we can get over next week or, you know, we played them tough and still came up short. So I think it's going to have a negative effect on Buffalo. I look for Denver to go in there. Uh, The two-headed monster at running back with the – with C.J. Anderson, with Jamal Charles, and with that Denver defense to harass Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, take Denver, give those three points, and you can thank both me and Chris on Tuesday. Absolutely. Okay, so there we go. The picks of the week, the gambler's delight, and now we defer to the many, many years of experience of Mr. Lardieri, uh, fantasy football picks, tips, and such. Chris, take it away, sir. Look, my, my team's doing well. I've got to give it all to Kareem Hunt. So I'm not an expert. However, there are things I do have, have observed in the past and have observed so far this season. So a couple things that stand out to me. Quarterback play in the fantasy football world has been shoddy. I've got Marcus Mariota. I mean, short of like Tom Brady, um, I really don't see a lot of quarterbacks lighting it up right now. So be patient. Don't give up on your quarterbacks. What I notice, even big picture in the NFL, the first month of the season – a lot of these first couple weeks of the season are like glorified preseason, working out the kinks. Give it time. Your quarterbacks will get going. Uh, second of all, waiver wire-wise this week, by the time you watch or listen to this show, I'm sure the uh, Chris Carson, Chris Thompsons, J.J. Nelsons, Trevor Simeons, as you mentioned, of the yeah. world will all be snapped up. Good plays, but don't do what I saw in the league this week. We talked about Tariq Cohen last week, and don't use a lot of your, your free agent money. On him, I saw someone pay $32 for him just to pick him up. And what did he do the last week? Not a heck of a lot. If you're desperate, you got injuries, go ahead. By all means, put it in for these guys because I do think they'll put up points, especially in Washington with the injury situation. Uh, again, we're going to go back and look at some of the deeper dives. Look, I mentioned Jared Goff last week. All right, you can make fun of me for that. But I, I did like Carson Wentz. I like Kamala with the Saints. They may not get you points right away, but I'm telling you, be patient with them. Later in the season, these guys will emerge. This week on my kind of value pick list, I do like the uh, – you're going to think I'm even crazier on this, but the Jets have a wide receiver, Jermaine Kearse, traded from the Seattle Seahawks in the Sheldon Richardson deal. 
for whatever reason, McCown liked him, threw to him in Oakland. I think he's going to emerge as a number one receiver. You say, well, the Jets are tanking this season. Well, the Jets are going to be playing from behind every right. year. They're going to be throwing the ball a lot. There may be even games like with the Raiders where they're temporarily in it and trying to catch up or take a lead. I think he's a good option. In Cleveland, with the Corey Coleman injury, Rashad Higgins, he's excellent in college. He got a lot more targets. As we know here in L.A., Kenny Britt's not worth the money. He's going to be phased out as number one wide receiver. Keep an eye on him. In Carolina, a guy like last year didn't materialize, but I think he'll get his opportunity now. Evan Funches with Olsen down. I think he's going to become kind of a uh, target for Cam over the middle. He's not really a tight end, but Cam does like him. Over the last couple of years, they've had a good chemistry. Keep an eye on him. And finally, Green Bay. You know what? There's always injuries. Jordy Nelson's hurt again. I believe Cobb went out on Sunday night. Geronimo Allison. Okay, Geronimo. That, that's your mantra for the week. For whatever reason, the Packers find these guys. I don't know where they come from, but when you got Aaron Rodgers throwing a ball to you and you're going to get targeted, you're going to score points in fantasy football. Finally, uh, we talked about rotating defenses. I think the, the big thing to keep in mind here, if you're playing the Jets or the Bears, for instance, you're a good defensive start. This week, the Ravens go to London. They play the Jaguars. We all know Bur uh, Bortles is due for a few turnovers. If for some reason, the Ravens are out there in your league and – they shouldn't be, but you never know. Someone may sneak them through waivers. Grab them. You can also grab the Steelers versus the Bears, uh, the Dolphins at the Jets. And then, um, you know, one other one I like, too, is the Buccaneers. If Sam Bradford doesn't play, they've got an excellent defense. You saw what they did to the Bears last week. Play the Bucs. they got turnovers. They'll get you some sacks. And, um, honestly, we talked about this in the preseason, but I'm looking forward to those Buccaneers-Falcons matchups. I think they're, they're going to be some excellent games. So those are my thoughts for the week. If you're down 0-2 right now, keep the faith. Look for those value picks out there. If you've got an injury and you really need to get someone, there are the names for you this week. Um, I will say I'm not going to back down on Jared Goff. They are playing the 49ers this week. <laughs> if your quarterback's hurt like Sam Bradford and you, you need to plug someone in, give him a shot. I mean, before that interception, he was having a decent game. And who knows, maybe he'll get you a couple touchdowns and cut down on the picks. So uh, those are my expert thoughts for the week. Good luck. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Chris. And remember, hey, every week throughout the NFL season, the show is NFL Football Talk. This is an Inside Sports production. You can follow on Twitter at The Inside Sports for all the latest and also uh, some great uh, game highlights we always post on there. Follow Mr. Lardieri on Twitter at Chris L Sports. And for Chris Lardieri, I'm Charles E. Smith, Jr. Thank you for watching, and we will see everybody next week. Enjoy the games. Frank here from Super BS, talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games. Mostly. Oh, yeah. To us, people that can feel things, it it uh, it hurts.